Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, happy Friday, and welcome back to Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Canucks. Today's episode brought to you by Locked On NHL. You need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill in the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps of the day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts, especially today after what was a... An eventful day for the NHL, I should say. Not so much for the for the Canucks, as much as it was regarding the Arizona Coyotes and uh, their lease at the city of Glendale expiring at the end of this season. Also, we're uh, and also the NHL 22 trailer was revealed earlier today, and that's a pretty big deal. And we're going to get into that a little bit in the later on in the show, but. Because this is a Canuck show, we're going to focus today on something that's not necessarily a big news item or anything, but I wanted to spend some time today, uh, d- because of the because we have a bit of a slow news week going on, I thought that today would be best used by kind of projecting the Canucks forward situation, because we have a lot of newcomers coming into the team this year. We have some situations that are still being filled out and trying to figure out what the team will look like on opening night could still be very much up in the air, but I thought today we'll try and project based on what we know about this group right now and how they're looking uh, going into next season. And then on our next show on Monday, we will go into the defense and do the same thing. So let's start Let's start with the obvious ones here. We've got a lot of new players coming in. We've got some contracts that need to be filled out. The biggest... The biggest newcomers to this group uh, are obviously Connor Garland uh, coming in from the Arizona trade with uh, that brought Oliver Ekman Larson to Vancouver in exchange for Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, and that eighth overall pick or ninth overall pick, I should say. Um, Jason Dickinson, who came in prior to the Seattle expansion draft from Dallas. And then this is a bit of a, a potential newcomer, I should say. He It's the odds on him making the team are, I think, pretty good early on here. But we're looking at Vasily Pudkolzin as, obviously, the former uh, the former first rounder of the Canucks back in 2019. I was actually at that draft. Uh, remember going to things. Remember going to drafts. That was fun. Hopefully, we'll get to do that again sometime. Uh, but Pudkolzin is likely going to make his Canucks debut this season. He signed The contract is signed and delivered. All that's left is to see if he actually is ready to play NHL hockey. It seems like he is. And if he is, that brings together a very different looking roster than the one that, say, ended the season last year. Um, we're seeing, uh, we've seen a couple players shuffle in and out of the lineup from last season. Uh, it's a, it's a, and especially in that bottom six, it's going to look very different with the exception of, um, you're going to see a couple new players, uh, a couple old players, I should say, coming back into the fold, like Brandon Sutter re-signing. And then of course you have the younger guys in Matthew Highmore and Tyler Mott, uh, who are going to be part of that, that bottom six as well, most likely. But as far as the third pairing is concerned, or the third line, I should say, this is going to be a very different sort of team. It's not going to be as big a as an inefficient group as it has been in seasons past. A lot of the time in the last few years, and as we've mentioned already quite a bit in the first two episodes of the show, is that the Canucks kind of 
had a bottom six group and like a say a second power play that was mostly just there to tread water they weren't really there to necessarily always be a part of the problem or part of the solution so much as not be the cause of the problems and but now we're looking at a situation where the, not specifically that third line could potentially hold its own and be able to contribute offensively and uh keep up with the top two lines there so let's discuss what we've got what we got so far and what we're i think we're kind of looking at right now um obviously the first line let's get the easy ones out of the way obviously the first line is the lotto line now Elias Pettersson does not have a contract yet that needs to be sorted out but I don't think anybody is under the impression that that won't happen I think it's it's pretty clear that that's going to be a done deal they're going to make it happen somehow uh and right now as as it stands he will be back on that for in that first line centering Brock Besser and JT Miller I know there has been a lot of noise about the idea of what if you put JT Miller at third in the, as the third line center behind Pedersen and Horvat, and then maybe moved up someone else from the left wing, like say a Nils Hoaglander or a Connor Garland up to that first line pairing instead. And to that, I'd say, well, and I would say that that might make sense in certain cases, but right now, the way the Canucks are built, especially with the addition of Jason Dickinson, it's not really necessary anymore, thankfully. Last year, Miller had to get called into a lot of center ice duty simply because of the fact that Pedersen was hurt and missed a lot of last season, and he just could and it, it's and it worked in a pinch. He was very good in the faceoff dot, and I think it's frankly better having him on that first line as far as the contribution is concerned, the lotto line, I believe, is going to have a much better, a season much more reminiscent of the 2019-20 season, that uh, the pandemic paused year that where they got to the playoffs. I think it's going to look a lot better. I think they're going to look a lot better that way, and I think it bodes better for the Canucks if they can say Patterson say, gets uh, gets kicked out of a face-off dot for whatever reason, that JT Miller's right there to step in and is pretty good. It's pretty good when taking face-offs. I think it... I think it's puts your depth in a much better place. Um, and I just think that chemistry can't be ignored. I think that chemistry what we saw from their second from their first year together is gonna come back once once we get to a hockey at its normal at its most normal, which will be which hopefully is the season. We're expecting 82 games. Uh, hopefully the that fall plans Delta variant meme does not become too real. Um but I think you're going to see that lotto line really step up and have a better season, uh, more align, more in line with what they did in their first year together. The second line is where things start to get a little bit different. Specifically, when it comes to last season, you had Bo Horvat centering Tanner Pearson on that left side with Nils Hoaglander on the right. I think we're looking at a situation this year where maybe uh, Hoaglander moves to his natural side, which is the left. He's a left winger. He's a natural left winger. And then instead on that right wing, they move, they flip over to Connor Garland. Connor Garland being the new, that new acquisition coming in, he can play, he's already believed to be a very good top six forward. Last year, he had 39 points in 49 games with the Coyotes, with the much more defensively minded Coyotes. Here, he's going to get a chance to play alongside two very good offensive talents in Horvat and Hoaglander, and I think you're going to see him be able to take that next step as a younger guy, only who's only uh, 25 right now. I think you're going to get to see him take that next step with this group, and I think Nils Hoaglander, for what it's worth, is going to also have the same thing. 
is going to have the same situation. I think Hoaglander last year was one of, obviously, one of the best players on the team. I don't think anybody, uh, I don't think there's anybody who's going to deny that. And I think Hoaglander, I don't think you're going to see necessarily a sophomore slump here. I think the fact that the Canucks have more offensive firepower around him means that Hoaglander is still going to be just as open and just as uh, just and given the same amount of time and space as he was last season as a rookie when the teams didn't know him, I just think they can't afford to do that this year. There were times in season past where, say, like Brock Besser or Bo Horvat sometimes saw that little bit of a, that slowdown in year two, something because teams started paying more attention to them and the Canucks didn't have the firepower to necessarily uh, try and facilitate goals from other places while they were, say, getting much more uh mind being much more uh doubled down by the defense by the defense in front of them but now you've got garland on that line and i think the fact is the teams aren't going to be able to afford to say put a put two to put two players on nils hoaglander to try and quiet him down i think he's going to be just a i think he's going to find that next step and is going to continue to develop into a very good top six forward uh for the canucks going forward and on the third line is where we basically see almost an entirely new lineup is where is where this completely changes and so different from years past like Brandon Sutter normally played on that third line and you would see Adam Gaudet you saw Adam Gaudet there Zach McHugh and I believe played there from time to time sometimes Matthew Highmore it was kind of a revolving door for a lot of reasons sometimes Antoine Roussel as well now we're looking at a situation where you've actually not only do you get your shutdown center your true shutdown center at a team-friendly cost in Jason Dickinson, like we talked about in our first show on Tuesday. But now you also add Tanner Pearson to that third line because now you can actually afford to put him down to put him down in a uh, middle six role rather than his second rather than on the second line. That just bodes better for your depth for your depth role. And Vasily Pud calls in who I believe is going to make the team. And I think we'll get exactly the kind of matchups he needs as a young rookie and uh, as he will playing with Dickinson and Pearson. And I don't think they're going to have too hard a time feeding him the puck. And I don't think he'll have too difficult a time necessarily helping contribute to the offense, especially considering Dickinson is more of a defensive center. Uh, I think Pearson and Pagalson will be able to hold their own on his wings. I'd certainly bet on Facility Pagalson in making the Canucks this season, just like you should be betting with our sponsor, Bet Online AG. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at BetOnline. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus using the promo code LOCKEDON. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, and if you lose, your wager will still be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to horse racing. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, it's time to move on to the fourth line now, where we actually get three familiar faces. Specifically, I'm looking at a group of Brandon Sutter at center again, as he returns on that one-year contract, in between the two youngsters in Matthew Highmore and Tyler Mott. 
Mott has been a very big part of the Canucks penalty kill. He's quick, he's speedy, which is exactly the kind of thing I want to see from the depth role players. It's something that I've actually been harping on with the Canucks for quite a while is that not only when uh, Jim Benning has sought out uh, veteran players, specifically on the older side, it's often come not just at the cost of a lot of cap space, it's also come at the cost of speed. And I think especially in today's NHL where players are getting so much quicker, they're getting so much more able to beat you in races to the puck that you need to be able to match that with your fourth line. Your fourth line needs to be arguably just as fast as your first and just as quick on pucks as they can possibly be. Playing with a fast team, I've always maintained, I may not be necessarily a general manager or any of, by any sort, but I think that when you if you build a team with speed it can make up for a lot more mistakes than a slower team can i think you are able to say if you make a mistake you're able to get back on that puck faster it means that you can cover for any sort of mistakes that you make it makes it easier to adapt to the game as you go and i think right now yes brandon sutter is a little bit still on the older a little bit slower side but now that he's on the fourth line again it's a little bit more stomachable there I think Mott is going to contribute so much to the way the pace of that uh, that of that fourth line is going to be. I think Matthew Highmore, to, for his credit, as a younger guy, I think it's possible for him to also find a little bit of that quicker step. And I think he brought a little bit, he'll bring a little bit of energy to that bottom group. This is actually one of the reasons I wanted the Canucks to maybe take a look at bringing back Jace Howerluck from last year, because I think... One of the things I did like about him as far as some of the rotating guys, like some of that um, that taxi squad guys were concerned, is that he brought energy. He was always quick on the puck. I think there was a lot of things I liked about him in that department and giving bringing life, a little bit of life to that bottom six, even if he wasn't necessarily the most skilled player. I And I'd like to see that from Highmore as well. I'd like to be able to hopefully see that from him. He's coming in with a chance to kind of, with to make with making the team at an only seven hundred twenty five thousand dollars per season. So it's a kind so he's going to be in that mix of the guys who potentially could be shuffled in and out of the lineup who they're not necessarily worried about say losing on waivers or something. So you hope he'll come. He comes in a training camp hungry for that spot and shows a little bit of that flash of speed that would be necessary playing on that fourth line, especially with Brandon Sutter at center. Which leaves us with a couple of the scratch positions. And this is a little bit difficult because we don't know a lot of these guys. The, and the guys that we do know from previous seasons aren't necessarily guys I would I would want on in the, sitting in the press box as the 13th, 14th forward sort of guys. Um, but right now, the two guys I have sitting in the press box right now, one is Zach McEwen, and the other is a newcomer in Philip DiGiuseppe, former... New York Ranger. Uh, he spent all of last season, I believe, on the taxi squad, for, or the majority of the season, I should say, on the Rangers taxi squad. He with And the 31 games he did play, he had eight points in those games. So he's not a scorer, at least not at the NHL level. Uh, in the previous year in with the Hartford Wolfpack in the AHL, he actually had 26 points in 43 games, which is not bad. Um, I think the odds are that he's probably, they probably signed him to play in Abbotsford, but right now looking at the Canucks forward depth, I think he might be their best option as far as where they're concerned, uh, in the scratch department as that 13th forward would suggest. I think the other candidate possibly is Justin Dowling from, uh, who was in Dallas last season. He's possibility a little bit on the older side. Uh, at age 30. 
I think right now Di Giuseppe is your best bet as far as a as far as a middle as a bubble player can go. Zach McEwen, on the other hand, is it's a little bit of a I would like to see Zach McEwen in that position, but at the same time, uh, every time he comes up to the NHL and plays NHL action, I don't feel like he's ever really uh, meshed well with Travis Green's system. I think a lot of the time uh, I notice McEwen, he does some things and he looks good at times, but I haven't seen... I've, it never seems to click with him at the NHL level. He always either disappears after a couple games or just doesn't get really the same benefit from Travis Green. I notice a lot of times if with mistakes for Zach McEwen, if he makes one, that usually he ends up uh, getting benched pretty quickly in the games. He doesn't necessarily get a lot of time on ice to make up for any errors that might come on the ice. And I just don't see a scenario where maybe he's going to get the leash that he would need to... Uh, make those steps as far as a healthy scratch guy is concerned. Maybe that makes him the perfect healthy scratch. The fact that he's able to just jump in for a game or two and will fill in in a pinch and you're not worried about it, him development-wise. But at the same time, you you almost want him as a younger guy to probably play some games down at the AHL level if you're not going to use him. So you ha- I'd be interested to see how they dole out these um how they dole out those those uh, extra two forward spots that they potentially have in, on the roster and you hope for McEwen and Di Giuseppe and Highmore particularly those being the I would say the three guys who are kind of like fighting for that last spot um you hope that they come into training camp and you hope that they show that they show something that could be usable, like not like just not just from the fact that they're going to be on the fourth li- on the fourth line. You don't want to just see them say disappear into the well. They're not we're not noticing them too much, and that's okay. There are some players that that's a good thing for. Like you don't want to notice them too much when they're out there, and you just want them to make sure it's like okay, don't make any mistakes. Just play a good, clean game. Try keep it as mistake free as possible. But I don't want to see that from this group. I want to see the fourth line come out and play with the energy that they're going to have to have to match the, th- the three lines above them. I think Tyler Mott's going to bring that. I think Brandon Sutter's at least going to bring a veteran presence that can help with that. And I want to see one of Highmore, McEwen, and DiGiuseppe really take that third, that that or I should say final right-wing spot and really make it their own. If they can do that, that's going to bode so well for the Canucks as far as how their forward depth is concerned. Like I've said in uh, episodes past already, this is probably the best Canucks forward core we've seen in the Jim Benning era. Maybe maybe you could argue that first team he had, the team he inherited from Mike Gillis, was pretty good as well with the additions he made later with Nick Bonino uh, and, and uh, a younger Derek Dorsett at the time. But... Right now, this team is as strong as it's ever, uh, as far as its forwards are concerned. In the present day, the forwards are pretty darn strong, especially if you if the silly putt goes and comes in and takes his spot. This might be the best forward group we've seen on the Canucks in quite some time, and hopefully they live up to that hype. You know, if there's someone I always trust to live up to their own hype, it's the sponsor of today's episode, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. As a college student currently looking for his own car to use during school, uh, I can guarantee you that I'm always looking for the cheapest deal possible and the best quality I can get for my dollar. And Rock Auto I'm defi is definitely where I'm going to be going to look for parts for my future Toyota hybrid. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to all your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com As a student on the go, I'm always looking for a snack that is both healthy for me and tastes great. And that's where Built Bar comes in. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they have so many delicious flavors for you to choose from. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, you're missing out on things like Cherry Barcia, Mint Brownie, Cookies and Cream, and Double Chocolate. And if you haven't tried all of their flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of their nine flavors. And not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too, ranging from 7 to 18 grams of protein per bar and only 4 to 5 grams of sugar. Built Bar is even the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Try them for yourself today by going to Built.com and using the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just before we wrap up this week's set of episodes of Locked On Canucks, just want to take a little bit of time to talk about the new NHL 22 reveal trailer that uh, came out today. Specifically how um, it's not as, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it'd be. We've been waiting quite a while for the NHL 22 reveal, uh, specifically centering around the fact that this was probably going to be their very first game on the PS5 and the Xbox One, which, or the, I believe it's called, not the Xbox One, the one, whichever one comes after it. I'm not a Microsoft guy. Um, for any of you that aren't big into video games, this does kind of matter in the sense of the NHL. This is their closest thing they have to potentially gaining a little bit of a market hold in a different medium in video games. And personally, seeing from what some of the other sports video games can do, while I'm not necessarily a big gamer myself, I am very adamant that I think NHL and hockey as a whole is a game that's built so perfectly for video games, and it should have a great game. Um, what I saw from the NHL 22 reveal, uh, more or less, is kind of just the same game we get every year, and that's kind of been the problem for quite a while with their games. Uh, with the games the NHL has been putting, or at least the EA Electronic Arts has been putting out for the last little bit. Number one being the fact that Austin Matthews is on the cover for the second straight, for the, sorry, not the second time in three years. Um, the, it just, I know, it, I know the cover athlete doesn't really matter that much anymore. Uh, and it's not a huge deal in terms of the grand scheme of things. It's very small, especially nowadays when games are digital and you don't really get a cover on games anymore unless you buy the physical copy still. Um, but I don't know. There are like 300 other players in the NHL. I don't really know why they couldn't have gone to anybody new, anybody else. Even if they wanted to pick another Toronto Maple Leaf, like 
William Nylander's right there, Mitch Marner's right there, John Tavares. There were other options. It's not like there were no other choices to go with. Personally, I really want to see Elias Pettersson on the cover at some point, or Quinn Hughes, or Thatcher Demko would be a good pick if we were going with a Canucks angle. The last Canuck, uh, if you remember the last Canuck uh, to be on an NHL cover, raise your hand right now. Okay, time's up. The answer is Marcus Nasland in 2005. You know, the year that there was a lockout. So there hasn't been a player on the EA NHL cover in quite some time. Ryan Kessler was on the cover of N- of the 2K game, I believe, back in 2012. Um, but as far as EA's game is concerned, as considering it's been the only one on the market for, I believe, the last, I want to say, seven, eight years now, um, there's no excuse to not try somebody else, to not go with just about any other player possible. Maybe one on a team that just won the cup, like Nikita Kucherov. Maybe go to an up-and-coming team like the Avalanche and pick and pick Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr. What about uh, the Golden Knights? They haven't been on. They haven't had a player on the cover yet. Mark Stone, maybe on that, and those gold jerseys would look pretty cool. They had options. They had clearly had other options than just going with Austin Matthews again, but they decided to do that. What's more, as well, is the fact that the game itself is coming over onto a new engine, like a, what I believe is called the Frostbite engine, which means the graphics are going to be much better. Um, but considering that the trailer only focused on that, plus I think something called Superstar X-Factors, which I guess is in other games of their EA sports games like FIFA and Madden, um, it doesn't sound like the actual overall game is getting much of an update. It very much sounds like a, hey, look, everything is shinier. Uh, and... And uh, now you and now the star players have some cool like I tags I guess or like uh, traits I guess for their characters like uh, their characters in game everybody looks better like don't get me wrong the graphics look very nice especially uh, the player graphics and like how the players actually look pretty um, like close to like as real as you can as I've ever seen them. But the game it's but I don't really care about that as a guy who's a very casual video gamer. I care much more about well, what about the the games like uh World of Chell? Uh what about Be a Pro Mode where where they just started doing a story mode last season? I'd like to see a huge update on the story mode and make it more interesting. So I'm I I can say I'm a little disappointed with what the reveal trailer showed me considering all it showed me was nicer graphics. Austin Matthews on the cover for the second time in three years, and, I don't know, traits, player traits, which they kind of already had to begin with. It doesn't really feel like there's much coming. Hopefully, they prove me wrong. I would love to see them prove me wrong and show me a really cool brand new game for their first entry in the new uh, generation of video game consoles. Uh, but time will tell, and hopefully, maybe someday I'll get my wish and see Elias Pettersson on the cover of an EA game. And with that, this wraps up today's episode of Locked on Canucks. Thank you so much for listening this week. It has been a pleasure doing these shows, and I look forward to doing another three next week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for you all over again. Uh, And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to check out our show, Locked on Bets. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game when you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. 
I have been Lachlan Irvin. You can follow me on Twitter at Lachlan the Crease, and you can also tweet at me using our show account at Locked On Canucks. You can find me there as well. Uh, be sure to check out my writing at LockinTheCrease.com as well. If you uh, if you have the time, I'll be writing on there quite a lot in the coming weeks and uh, before the NHL season gets underway. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Take care.